welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John o. White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 22 of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Richard Liao. Richard is uh, Richard Liao is based in Taiwan, and Richard is the chief executive officer of Hua Sha Plus. Uh, apologies if I'm not pronouncing that um, correctly. I just said to Richard before I didn't want to Australianize it uh, too poorly in how I pronounce uh, some of those keywords. Uh, but Richard, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Hi, John, and thank you for having me on this leadership podcast. And it is my first time. As I previously talked to John that this is my first time ever international podcast. So I'm really thrilled and really happy to be here. Thank you, guys. Yeah, well, I, I'm so excited to chat with you about all things leadership and all things business. Uh, first off, can you give us a bit, of, uh, a bit of context around your role, around the organization that you lead? And I guess just a little bit of, uh, of your uh, history in terms of previous roles before this one, Richard. Sure, sure. So uh, my name is Richard Liao, and uh, now I'm the CEO of Hua Sha Glass. I think John pronounced it perfectly, and it was a charming <laughs> Australian accent. You're I just very, want to point very... out, right? So Hua Sha Glass, <laughs> we are actually a 100-year-old company of glass container manufacturing base headquartered in Taiwan, but we have footprints in uh, Greater China, in uh, Wuxi, in Fengyang, which are the provinces of China. But we have business footprint all over the whole Asia as well as North America. And right now we have about 100, uh, uh, 1,200 employees and we do the annual turnover, which is the annual revenue, around 200 million US dollars. Okay. Wow. And for myself, I, was, I grew up in the States. I actually grew up, uh, I, was, I was born in the States and I, I, was, I, I went back to Taiwan, but I come, I come back to the States when I was like, 14 years old, uh, did my middle school, high school, all the way to college. And I did my master in Cornell. And I did uh, about three years of my time. Uh, when I'm early 20s, I did my investment banking jobs in New York City. So I did my MBA in New York City as well. And I was previously going to stay in New York City for the rest of my life yep. before my, my father called me back to help him to run this Hua Sha Glass business. So uh, I would say I have about like 15 or 16 years been based in the West world and now the next 10 years, which up to current date, I'm based in the East world. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I think, how it runs up. <laughs> I think that's a, that is a fascinating, you will have really interesting insights and I can't wait to ask you about, about that in more detail from your experience. Uh, but before we sure. get there, mm -hmm. uh, first, I'd like to know, are there any moments in your life, right back to childhood, that come to mind that have been really important in shaping Richard Liao to be who you are today? Are there any specific yeah. stories or moments that come to mind? I, I always remember the time that uh, when my, my mother told me about, like, uh, for for example, like myself and my younger brother, like you know, how we can shape out as become like 
a, a, a good person with genuine heart and being honest about everything about what we do. I remember、mm. the time there was one time when I was really, really little. Like my mom was telling me, "Do not steal, right?、Mm. Don't、mm-hmm. steal, like ever." And I was <laughs> under the impression that, oh, I can just do some, you know, little shoplifting, which is totally fine, right? Like you know, so I went to this,、uh, we call it grocery stores back in Taiwan, like candy、yeah. shop. I I try to grab like some candies. And、yeah. like you know, the store actually found out. Like I was grabbing the candies, right? So, so he basically called like you know my my mother to come to the store and started yelling at me. And I remember that experience was terrible. So, I I got my 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 best lesson in my life is always be honest and be genuine and not to do some small tricks to get ahead, and that、yeah. will never work out. Yeah, wow, that's such a good life lesson at such an early early age that、uh, mm. taking little shortcuts doesn't doesn't work out.、Um, are there any other moments, time it could be when you were in the US or your time in Ta- in Taiwan、uh, that come to mind as really important moments that have shaped you、uh, to become who you are? I, I think one of the lessons was I was working at uh, uh, one of the top investment bank in New York City. And I remember my first boss was telling me,、uh, "During my jobs, like you know,、uh, no matter how much you try to be the best you can, there's always some setback in your life, right? So, like you、mm. know, maybe some projects you don't do well, or maybe some assignments you are not like performing well. I start to like you know become irritated, and I start to like you know、um, start start to put a lot of pressures on like my teammates or whatever." And and that was the time when my boss was telling me that、uh, you need to deal with your own pressure, right? You need to <laughs> you need to make sure that you are not always the center of the team. You need to be part of the team. So、mm. I think that was a moment where the leadership really comes to play in the real real setting. Is、uh, we want to be leaders, but you are the leader, but you are not the attention. Of the of the group, you know what、yeah. I mean. So、yeah. I think one of the most important lessons I learned from the investment bank was how do you be a team player, right? How do you be part of the team? You can make the whole project going forward.、Mm. That's what I learned the most. And what what advice would you give a listener who is really wanting to lead better with their team and really lead the team to be more focused? Outwardly or on the goals, rather than making it about them as the leader. What what advice would you give them? I think the best advice to give to people who want to make the team go forward is, first of all, you gotta forget about yourself.、Right? That that <laughs> is so important that no one seems to realize that is that we cannot always about me 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 when we try to make a project work, right?、Mm. So,、mm-hmm. for example, if you are leading a project, you are a, a team leader for this group, right? You、yeah. you must be a good PM, a project manager. So the good project manager, the goal is not about make sure like everybody's happy or sad or you know、um, having troubles in his in his breakfast or whatever. It's about how every role can contribute to this project and make the project going forward, right?、Mm. So.、Yes. And if you can think about 
like your team as a holistic point of view, right?、Hmm. And you you guys will become a more collaborative unit and be able to move things going, you know. And this is what I learned the most from all, all my working experience is,、uh, you you gotta put down yourself. You make、mm. your the you make the me part really small. You make <laughs> the team part really big. Yeah, I don't. I, I think that's a Chinese saying, but I'm just trying to try to translate into English. Just trying to amplify the team and trying to nullify you, me. Yeah. You see. Yeah, I love that. That's a great.、Right? That's a great saying. Make the、uh, make the me smaller and the team bigger. Well, anything. Well, if you came into a team. And、mm. you had to. You could only do one thing. You could only use one tool. You could only do one initiative. You could only,、uh, you could only use、uh, focus on one area. What What would you do if you wanted to decrease the me and and build the team? That, that's a really good question, John. I I think、uh, in order to decrease the me and make the team bigger,、uh, one thing to focus on is the task that is being assigned to you or to your team. And make sure, like you know,、uh, you will be able to contribute to your part,、uh, not to jeopardize the, the agenda of the of the team's goal. That's important, right? So,、yes. for example, we we all、uh, maybe maybe the audience knows, right? Like maybe some people who are in engineering they know when we're talking about like、uh, a production unit, right?、Hmm. There's always something called bottleneck. The bottleneck. <laughs> Bottleneck, right? So bottleneck is something that if it doesn't get passed through, right, like nothing can really happen.、Right? Yeah. This is this is a definition of bottleneck, right? So、yeah. in in a project or in a in a team, right, you want to make sure yourself is not the bottleneck, right? <laughs> so right? true. Yeah, yeah. John, you like the way I put it? So, oh, so I are, love that. You you are not the bottleneck, right? And when you see the bottleneck, right. You,、yeah. you you need to help the, everybody to resolve the the bottleneck. It can、mm-hmm. be a person, can be a task, can be anything, right? So, I think when you able when you are able to do that and trying to resolve the bottleneck, I think you demonstrate the leadership quality, right? That is something that is people who want to become leaders should realize this part. I think、uh, the reason I love that so much is because it's a frustration I see so often that leaders have, and sometimes they see it, and sometimes they don't see it, but their people certainly do. And they look at the leader and say, "I could do ten times this much output if this bottleneck wasn't here."、Uh, and it's not personal, but a lot of leaders. How how do you if you recognize about yourself? I'm a bottleneck. How can you get out of the way? How can you how can you solve that as a leader and be less of a bottleneck? This you know this is a really good question, and I think a lot of leaders. I'll be honest, like maybe even the Fortune 500 company, like a lot of leaders are indeed a bottleneck because、mm-hmm. <laughs> because not all the leaders are what we so called the subject matter expert, which is SME, right? So,、mm-hmm. if you are not a technical person, or you are not, if you are not a technology person, you try to lead a technical or technology project, it could eventually become a semi disaster, right? Yeah,、so、yeah. The the thing, yeah, right, right. John, you agree, right? So, because you are you are not in that kind of background. Maybe you are in sales, you are in strategy, or you are 
you, you don't understand about technology, right? So, so the question is, how do you prevent that kind of situation without yourself being jeopardizing the whole project? Is to build trust, right? Yeah. Be able yeah. to delegate and give trust to the SMEs who are really indeed the leader or expert in that field, right? Mm -hmm. And and for for leader yourself, you need to understand. You need to understand the holistic point of view, not just the the tiny greedy details. Uh, for example, technology or technical aspect. You need to understand, like you know, for those SMEs when they put in their part into the project, how does that look on the holistic point of view of the project's agenda? Yes. Right. And so, so yeah, 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 with you. And you will be able to provide the feedback or maybe some recommendations, but on that specific area set of expertise, please let the SMEs to handle it. Mm. That's right. so good. Yeah. Yeah. What about? I'm interested to know because your, um, uh, I guess your your company is involved in manufacturing. What have you learned from leading a manufacturing company when it comes to bottlenecks in manufacturing? I, I guess if we step away from, and and what do you do in manufacturing when you see a bottleneck? How do you resolve it? This is a great question. Like in manufacturing. As we talk about the supply chain management, the bottleneck is something that will drive drive down your efficiencies, right? Yeah. So it is so important to figure out, like you know, where the bottleneck happens during, mm -hmm. like you know, your analysis. I would say, like you know, uh, that's maybe not as a leadership perspective, but as a good um, factory managers or factory PN, you need yeah. to understand, like you know, the whole production process from raw material. Processing, production, QC, delivery, logistic. Mm -hmm. Once you understand this value chain, like holistically, right, you you'll be able to see. Oh, I have some efficiency going down at the production, and maybe it is at QC, right? Then you could, you'll yes. be able to drill down to. Oh, if it's not at QC, then the processing part must have some problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And we go to and you start asking like what I talk about, like you know, you go to ask about the SMEs like on the processing part. They'll be able to give you some feedbacks. And one of the most important part is uh even though you are a factory manager, you should be data driven. Right? Yes. Yes. And sometimes SMEs they get into the whole project whole like you know, narrow gritty details. They don't understand the holistic point of view, right? Yeah. Now this is the time when data can help the leaders to see where is the story doesn't really tie together. And you'll be able to mm. fix the story, right? Oh, maybe mm -hmm. he was right on his subject matters expert, but um, his data was way off, right? Because he's looking at different data. We should look yes. at the morning data, not the evening data. When we look at this, we look at this problem, right? So yes. a, lot, a lot of things happen like this. So the bottleneck is about being data-driven, believe you in SMEs, and be able to look things from a holistic point of view. That's um, that's so succinct. And you know what? I think there's great leadership principles in there. That's why that's why I was so interested to ask because I keep coming up with against this when I'm coaching leaders, uh, mm. where where leaders are the bottleneck, but helping them get unstuck and get out of the way is is I've found it really challenging. And I think uh, I think being data driven 
it's not exactly the same, but I think having that ability to measure, I think it's underrated in leadership. And I think that's why having goals and having actually measuring what matters that there's a great book called measure what matters that I think does this really well. And I think that's why it's so important because in manufacturing, like you're saying, you have to have, you have to follow the data. You have to look at where you have to look at, at what the data is saying. So you can zoom in and say, Yes, it's it's quality control where the issue is. So I think that's uh, I think that's a great response, and it's a really good it's a really good analogy for bottlenecks in leadership as well. I think, Richard. Thank you, John. And I think when you when you talk about coaching leaders, I can understand how the leaders will feel like I'm being in this industry for twenty years, thirty years. I know this stuff, right?、Mm-hmm. But you know, our world our world is changing so fast. Like you know, everything is moving rapidly. Technology is advancing like in the light speed right now. Yeah. A lot of times, we, I think, leaders do have blind sight, and this、yeah. blind sight is something. It's nothing wrong with you because we are person. We are not robotics, right? We are not like you know, <laughs> we we are not robots. So yeah, we we are we are prone to make mistakes, and this is what makes human beings so interesting because. The mistakes makes me makes we alive, so yeah, we are not、right. just like we are not cold machines, right? We are we are not robotic arms or robot just like A I O B, right? That that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. So, but on the on, on the other hand is since we are not perfect, we need to believe in data, right?、Yes. And believe、yeah. in other people's opinion, so you will be able to become a better person.、Right. Yeah, that's so、yeah. good. Data and other people's opinions.、Uh, is there any leadership data that you found? Obviously, you're living in manufacturing world, so you're able to get so much data. As a leader, are there any metrics that you are very fond of in terms of you really love that data to work out if、uh, if sure, a particular、sure. part of your team is going well? Yeah. So since I I I mean more like a crossover of the manufacturing and the finance guy. So、mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because back in the time I was in in, in banks, right? True.、So、definitely,、uh, some of the the financial figures, for example, the revenue, EBITDA, and、yep. also the net profit, and also the you know, for example, like what we call is called the debt to equity ratio. You want to make sure like your company is running healthily. That's、yep. on the financial side, right? And but on、yep. the manufacturing side, it's definitely some data. For example, like pull through rate, efficiency.、Mm-hmm. In terms of the overall production capacity, capacity planning, so those are the typical data on my daily jobs. I I look into in terms of how my company is performing against our peers and you know for our clients. And if someone listening is running a small business and doesn't have a finance background, is、mm-hmm. there what is there one number that you would recommend that people? Try to because they may not even be、uh, be getting some of these numbers if someone、exactly. is, is leading in a smaller context. What、mm. what would be one number that would be worth the effort to actually,、uh, you know, invest whatever you need to do to find out and measure consistently and watch that number for for a day?、Uh, okay,、owner. based based on my finance background, I would say for if you're a small business runner,、mm. you need to understand your operating cash flow. So operating、yes. cash flow is so important. I I heard a lot of new young entrepreneurs like in the early thirties or early forties. They they say my business is doing so great. I'm getting so much revenues, but you know maybe like three months later, you know the company go busted. <laughs> and, and what happened was like, oh my company is running out of cash. I don't even realize. What、yes. happened is that a lot of times 
when you get the revenue or what you get, you get the revenue reimbursement from your clients, which is maybe three months or four months, you know, in, in later, but mm -hmm. you need to pay out the cash, which is you pay your suppliers, which is only two months. So yes. in, that, in that two months of window period, you are out of cash, right? Mm -hmm. So I think for small business owner, operating cash flow is so important. You need to make sure your company has sufficient capital for you to run the business going forward. And, and what's the, I know this sounds like um, this is uh, finances for, uh, for active on finances, but how do you work out your operating cash flow? If someone's listening and they don't know how to do that, mm -hmm. uh, how, how do you work out what your operating cash flow is? Uh, you know, the easiest way I would say is not the professional way is to look at how much money you left in your bank. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I mean you, you, when you open a business, you have a bank account, right? I mean, either your personal yes. account or a, a company account doesn't matter. Right. So you look at you, see how much cash you have on daily, like intraday, intraday at end of the day, how many cash, how much cash you have on hand. And that is important. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe for some owner, business owner, you can start to project how would this bank account look like by the end of the month? Mm. Then mm -hmm. you will have a sense of feeling like, you know, okay, so I will be fine, you know, until November 20, no, November 30s, right? Yeah. And if you can, you're able to do that, but rolling operating cash flow forecast right mm -hmm. so so this is a way to ensure the company have a healthy when you're trying to expand or trying to do more stuff yeah that's fantastic i think that's such great advice and it and it even though i'm thinking about it from a small business uh, perspective i think it's just as relevant for uh, for any any business leader to know what that number is, uh, that's fantastic, mm. Richard. Let's talk about West and East because of your really fascinating, uh, you know, your your life and the context that you've lived and worked in so far, really bridging bridging such a great divide uh, in in different cultures, in different languages. So, first of all, from a big picture perspective, what do you see as like paint the picture for us of what it's like to lead and what it's like to live and lead in, uh, you say, in a U.S. investment bank and now in a, you know, in a, um, in a manufacturing company based in Taiwan, even though your footprint is, is much larger than that. What, what's the sort of paint the picture between living and leading in those two locations? Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, I, you know, on my previous life, I was living in New York City uh, in and working as uh, an investment banker, right? Hmm. It is I live in New York City. Finance or, you know, P fund, doesn't matter. Uh, uh, your typical day is not what we call night to night, okay? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. So, so usually we call it night to 12, right? So it's 9 <laughs> o'clock to 12 a.m. And during the time, because I was there uh, right after the financial crisis, right? So the time can be a little bit longer because banks have more work to do. They have, mm. for example, more government to push them to do regulations and more clients demanding them to be on time to in terms of reporting. Mm -hmm. So the life can be really challenging. But I think in the same time, 
uh, when you work in the finance, especially in the top banks or in the top cities, it's also rewarding because it gave you so much stuff to learn. For example, when I was at the bank, JP Morgan, right? You are mm-hmm. able to rotate functions. You see the technology, you see the finance, you see the M&A. So by working in that environment, I think it's a really, a really good strategy to grow your business sense or acumen in a really short period of time. Mm. So you, you can where it's like, you know, we go to college, right? We go to high school, college, right? It takes four years, four years. Yeah. You finish your college is 80 years, right? But if you go to, mm. it's like your career track, you can kind of fast boost, like maybe, you know, two or three years ahead, right? Yeah. Because you, you, yeah. you, you need to put so much pressure in such a short period of time, <laughs> right? Yeah. We all know that, okay? So, yeah. but now I'm back to the East world, which is a nine to five job because in manufacturing, right? That's the real nine to five. Yeah. Uh, you need to, I would say kind of like, you know, tone down your working style. You need to make sure like you understand like no, not everyone is as smart, as aggressive as back, as back in the Wall Street, but you need to, how do you make everybody on the same boat to move forward? I, yeah. I do believe in the past 10 years when I moved back to Asia, I developed a sense of more patience and I become more humble, you know? Wow, yeah. Yeah, and which is so different, like, because back in New York City, everybody is yelling, everybody is, like, pressuring each other, everybody's <laughs> about, like, being fast, fast, on time, on time, on time, right? But in mm. Asia, right, everybody's about, oh, we want to make sure our team understand the whole project scope, before, mm. before that, and that mm. you can advance together. I think it's quite different. And to be honest with you, compared to the you know the New York City style, I like this style so much better because I kind of feel like, as we talk about today's topics, leadership, right? It's about mm. adding your team to able to chase up or catch up on your pace, so you guys can grow together, not just your it's, mm. it's quite different atmosphere and yeah that's that's uh that's such an interesting perspective um if we look at uh, so there'll be people listening from uh from different asian um, countries leaders in different asian countries and there'll be people listening from uh from western countries let's start with people who may not be used to dealing with america so let's say what, what, what advice from your time in New York, what advice would you give leaders who are starting to lead that have Americans in it or are wanting to expand into America? What advice would you give people about leading uh, when it comes to dealing with, with people, say, in New York? Sure, sure. Uh, I, I think let, let's, let's not say it's about New York City or America, but we'll say like, you know, in terms of different culture, right? Uh, sure. different culture is, I'll be honest with the audience and John, like, you know, it's really difficult, right? Yeah. Cause you have different ways of thinking about stuff and different ways of, you know, interaction. And so it, it's not particularly easy. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can give is trying to be objective and trying to be, um, data focused and data driven. So, you are not pinpoint on anybody in the organization because 
you like him or you dislike her, but it's more about uh, the fact that you guys are facing together,、mm. which is which is which is important because、uh, if you say, "Oh, I don't like you know, you know Americans or New Yorkers,"、uh, because they're always so aggressive and like you know、so、always in a hurry. And if you say that kind of comments, right? I don't think that the project will do well because they will have an opinion on their. Yes. And you know, now I mean, many、um, in China,、um, even、mm. Taiwan and China, like you know, are the same. But you know, in culture, we are still slightly different. So、yes. different ways of language, different ways of education being raised up, and. <laughs> yeah. And what about yeah? So on that, what advice would you give、uh, to someone, say maybe an Australian who's listening, or and and is you know they're they're leading a company that has some opportunities in Taiwan or in China, and they want to lead really well and just do a great job of connecting with team members, connecting with new clients in those different regions. Anything you'd say culturally that that you'd give advice to someone who was expanding into Taiwan or into China? Sure, sure. I think Taiwan and China,、uh, we we have.、Uh, I think the culture will be like you know a lot of people they they try to say something but they will try to hold back and、uh, you need to really see their actions. I think action really speaks louder than words because. Uh, in it's sort of like in Japan, right? Like you know, if you in Taiwan, like people say yes, 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 but maybe in their mind they don't really mean yes. <laughs> so、sure. you gotta check out the action plan, right? You know, maybe okay, we gotta next days see what happens on the progress. And if there's no progress, you know, when they say yes, what they will do it means they no, they don't want to do it. Then you start asking why, right? Like you know, the the, the next step questions, like you know, how do we figure out, like you know, what what we do gonna do next? And I think China is more about、uh, they will be different compared to Taiwan because what they want, they want. But、uh, sure. you probably will face a lot of the、um, the loyalty issues.、Uh, yes. It's really hard to build loyalty with Chinese employees or even the customers or suppliers. So、yeah. I think a lot of rules and orders and regulations need to be put in place to prevent that kind of stuff from happening. So if you want trying to、mm. expand to China, and make sure you have a good lawyer. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. great. So, That's great advice. You know, whether it's intellectual、yeah. properties or you know your your assets and you know having a good lawyer always helps. Even though it's yeah, expensive, absolutely. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's worth that. Worth the time. They can they can say something very wise in a very short, but <laughs> exactly. <laughs>、um, well, Richard, this has been、uh, this has been really enjoyable. Did you have any final thoughts for listeners before and and maybe as well?、Uh, I'd love to invite you back to do another another round. Maybe next time we can chat more. <laughs> Uh, about、um, uh, you know another leadership topic that you're passionate about, but、um, so the invitation's there. I'd love for you to come back on another time. And、uh, did you have any final thoughts? Thank you, John, and、uh, and great to sh- share my a little tiny、uh, wisdom. And、uh, just coming back to say a massive thank you once again to Richard Liao. Richard, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much.、Mm, bye bye. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership. And leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content. And it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process 
that I unpack in Step Up or Step Out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.